Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Every time we get into God's Word, we should be ready, set, and ready to go. There should be an anticipation. So that's our prayer today, that through the 1 Thessalonians that we look through in a few minutes, that you will be more ready, more set, and willing to go when you're called. The Apostle Paul, who, remember, was a persecutor of Christians, became a believer. He was a Pharisee. He was actually thinking, he thought he was doing the right thing and going after Christians. And the Lord changed his mind. Has the Lord changed your mind? Is he trying to change your mind today? Is he trying to keep it in, going in the same direction when you first came to know him as your Lord and Savior, if you made that decision? And if you haven't made that decision, maybe today is the day that you enter into the realm of eternal life forever. And that is our prayer. So Paul was a wild man. He was out of control. And the Lord took that passion and that zeal of this man's personality and put it to work for the kingdom of God. You know, all of you have a gift or gifts that God wants to use, and some of you are using them a little bit. Some of you aren't using them at all, and some of you are using them a lot. Well, Paul was a guy that, if you look here on this map, I'm going to use my little cursor here. He started down in Jerusalem, and he went all through this area. This was his second missionary journey. And matter of fact, he was born in Tarsus. And he came to these two towns, Lystra and Derby. And he was traveling at the time, as we'll see in a few minutes, with this guy named uh, Silvanius or Silas, same guy. But when they got to these two towns, they hooked up with this young guy named Timothy. And they took Timothy with them. And as they were going, let me switch to the next picture. They were going in this region of Galatia. And they were traveling to Pergia and up to Bithynia. And they met resistance by God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prevented them from going to some place to preach the word. Think about that for a second. God didn't want Paul, Silas, and Timothy to go up to these areas. And this, was, this is area is known as Asia, right in here. So the Holy Spirit, do you know, sometimes prevents you from doing something that you think is right to do? And tries to send you in another direction. And the thing is, are you sensitive enough to follow the lead of God's Holy Spirit? You know, you only are by spending time talking to him 
and read in his word. Did you know that? The time that you put is shows how sensitive you are in hearing God's voice. And following the direction of his Holy Spirit. So, because of the resistance that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, God himself prevented these three guys. And so what happens is they end up going over to Troas. Now, in Troas, right here, you can see it's right on the water. Paul goes to sleep. Now, remember, they're not traveling by train or plane or automobile or even bicycle. They're walking or they're using horses and mules. So it's, an order, it's a tough journey. How many of you are on a rough journey right now? It's tough right now. Think of all the uncertainty in our world right now, right? I see there's a lot of young people in here. You know, I was a teacher for 44 years in the public school system. Phys ed teacher and a coach. How tough is it right now going to school or that virtual stuff that's going on, right? It's uncertain times. We don't know where everything's going to lead. We're hoping that it's shaken off, right, and goes back to normal. But wonder if it doesn't. Well, I got great news. There is a God who holds our future, and he knows, right? He knows what's going on. This is not a surprise to him. So Paul, worn out after this journey, is in Troas. And he goes to sleep. And he has a vision. God sends him a vision. And there's a guy in the vision. A man from Macedonia. Yay, Macedonia! We have somebody from Macedonia here today. Is that awesome? So there's a man. We have a girl from Macedonia here, or a woman. And this was a man in Macedonia in this dream. And the man said, come here to Macedonia to help us out. Now, Paul was in his heart, and he passed it on to Silas and Timothy. And remember, Silas's name is also Sylvanius, so don't get them confused. It's the same guy. They were going to go to Asia area, that Galatia area that we saw. But God didn't want him to go there. Where does God want you to go? Where does God want me to go? Well, I can tell you God wants me right here. I don't have to sweat it. But how about you? Do you sometimes wonder if you're in the place that God wants you to be, right? Or are you thinking the things that God wants you to think or do? So, Paul, when he wakes up in the morning, he gets on a boat and he goes from Troas over to this area in here. And there's a couple towns he hits. Right? And then he travels to Philippi. We know, right? He wrote a letter to them, Paul's letter to the Philippians. But before he wrote that letter to them, he visited. Now, he preaches, people are converted, things happen, but he's arrested and thrown in jail. Do you ever 
Are you ever in a position where you're doing like good stuff, you're honoring the Lord, everything's cool, and then persecution or trials, tribulation. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I pray, I read the Bible, I go to church. Why is this happening to me? Well, Paul, this is a picture of the prison in Philippi where Paul was. You can visit it today. They even got a sign there. That sign wasn't there when Paul was put in prison, by the way. This is something for tourists today. So Paul is thrown into prison, and he's not the only one there. There's other prisoners. And one night, after they're beaten and put in these stocks, they're praying, and they start singing some songs. Now, when you're going through trials and tribulations, do you sing? Maybe, maybe not. These guys started singing. Guess what happened? The earth started shaking. There was a great earthquake. So strong that it opened the gate, <clears throat> opened the gate and opened the stocks, broke the locks. The head jailer panicked. He thought all the prisoners were going to go away. He comes in. He sees these guys singing songs. They're holding a church service right in the prison. Maybe it was the first prison ministry. And this is one of the first books, by the way, in the New Testament. They, they think either this was the first book or James or Galatians. How about that? For 400 years, it was silence before God started moving again and speaking to the people. So the jailer ends up getting saved and his whole family. Right here in Philippi. But the Jews and the Greeks start steering up trouble. They don't want God's word going forth. They had their own agenda. They weren't seeking the Lord's will. They were seeking man's will or, or religion's will. You know, right here, we have a community of saints. If you're a believer in Jesus, throughout the whole world today, there's people praising God, getting into his word. Did you know that? Throughout the whole world. Some places in the world, it's night now. And they went through a day today where God spoke to them with the same Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. And that's a relationship. But religion, remember what religion is. It's man's attempt, women's attempts, teenagers' attempts to reach God through their own mindset. But God loved us so much, right? That he sent his son down to die on a cross, but also to communicate with us. Gave us his word so that we don't have to guess. And remember when Jesus was at the Last Supper and he had communion with his um, apostles? Even the apostle Judas was there who was going to betray him or who did betray him. And remember when Jesus was passing the bread and the wine around and he said, you know, I'm not going to drink from this cup again 
until I come back. Till I come back. Now, the apostles didn't know at the time where he was going, even though he told them. How many times have you in your walk not really understood what God said, and then all of a sudden you read something again or you hear something, and you said, oh my goodness, I've heard that before, but I've never seen it that way. Well, the apostles were told that Jesus was going to suffer, die, and rise from the dead. Jesus told them that, but it went in an ear and out in here, or maybe he never even went in the ear. And my prayer right now is whatever God is trying to say through his word that is going into your ear, it's going into your heart, it's going into your, your brain, and you're going to apply those things that God is showing you through his Holy Spirit, because that's why we get together. That's why we commune, we get together. Until he comes back again, or until we go to be with him. So now... We can look into uh, 1 Thessalonians. So if you follow with me, verses, uh, the first few verses. Paul, Silvanius, remember Silvanius, okay? He is also known as Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a couple things real quick is you got to make sure that the church that you're in is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ and is filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because if you don't, it doesn't matter who's up here. How serious they are, how dramatic they are. Uh, if they're a comedian, if they stand on their head, it doesn't matter. If they're not in God the Father in Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit. Nothing's going to take place. And then it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you don't have the peace from God and with God, you can never experience the grace of God. Did you know that? In other words, before we put our trust in the crucified Christ, that he shed his blood for our sins. That when we put our trust in what he did, that he took our place on that cross, that he paid the penalty for our sins. Until we receive what he did, we can never know the peace of God or have the peace from God. Once you have that and made that decision, guess what? You understand the grace of God. It's all the things that God gives you. God's riches at Christ's expense. He paid the price so he could bless you and me. Grace that we don't deserve. We don't deserve to know the things that have happened or are happening or will happen. This is a picture on the screen, and you can see it's below ground level of the forum at Thessalonica. And here's another picture here. This is the forum. This is the... Remember, um, Thessalonica was under Roman control. So you can see, if you see some of the pictures of Rome, even the Roman form is very similar to this form here. The same ideas, the same mindsets. A lot of uh, deities worshipped. Even Caesar himself was worshipped as God. You see, there's man-made religion, and then there is 
true religion. There was fake news back then, just like there's fake news now. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's true. What he says is true. So important to understand. And here's a modern day picture. Beautiful up on the hill. Looking out over Thessalonica. And you can see it's a port city. Right there. It's beautiful. And then down in verse 3 it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Now, one of the things you have to know is Paul was in Thessalonica, but to those same guys that caused him trouble in Philippi, when they heard he was in Thessalonica, came there too. They followed him. They caused him problems and his followers problems. So Paul left there. He went down to Athens, hung out there for a while. Then he went to Corinth. And he stayed in Corinth, which is in the southern part of this area, for about 18 months. And it was from Corinth that he sent back Timothy and Silas to check out to see how the Thessalonians were making out with all this pagan culture with all this craziness that was going on. And the thing was, on a clear day from Thessalonica, you could see Mount Olympus. You could see the Temple of Zeus. You could see the Parthenon. So it was just embedded in them. They would see it, and it was like, oh, there's the gods over there. But those weren't the gods. Those were the fake gods. It wasn't the real God. And that was even the area when Paul was down in Athens that he went to that site of the unknown God and shared the gospel there. So Paul was moving. He was moving from Jerusalem all the way over from here. And from here, the gospel would go to Italy and then to England and eventually over here to the United States. All because of that guy who appeared to him in the dream in Macedonia. He changed direction. Does God want you to change direction in the way you're heading right now? Is he trying to tell you something through his word today? Or maybe a dream you had last night? To change the course of where you're going. Let's jump down to verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. You see, when you hang with people in your church, they know who you are. When you have a relationship with the people that you're with, you know how they are. And, And you know what? True love is you love them unconditionally in spite of who they are, right? Well, they knew who these guys were. They knew who Paul was. They knew who Timothy was. They knew who Silas was. Those three guys built into the lives of these people. And they were only here for a short time, and this was a brand new church.
Let's look at verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia, yea, Macedonia, and Achaia, but also in every place. Because people who were called, and earlier in this, uh, back in the beginning of chapter 1, it talks about you were elected. Did you know that? You were elected. And there's no chaos in this election. God, God elected you. He called you. And you just have to say, Lord, I'm yours. And then he starts using you by, through his grace. And he sends you to places, maybe not Macedonia, but maybe Janesburg, maybe Monroe, maybe in your business, your school, your family. And you start making a difference. People start seeing something different in you. And they might resist, right? A lot of times they do. It's harder to tell your family and loved ones about the Lord than anybody else, it seems, right? And the Bible talks about that. But you're faithful, right? You're faithful. And sometimes you're around to see the benefit of your faithfulness. You see a miracle. That takes place. Let's jump down to verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Well, we got a little idol up there. Looks like the Oscar. The Oscars used to be gold. Did you know that? It used to be solid gold. It isn't anymore. But it represent, it always represented man, prestige, power, image, wealth. Well, there's a lot of idols that fit all those categories today. It doesn't have to be a little gold statue. People still make money their idol, wealth their idol, uh, prestige, image their idol. Now notice... This word conversion, the term conversion means to turn, both in the Greek and the Hebrew. In 1 Thessalonians 1.9, it says that they tell how you turn to God from idols. There was a conversion. They don't serve the idol. They don't, they're not serving the idol anymore. Many of you who have put your trust, converted, you converted to Christianity. You became a born-again Christian. Born again. What is that? Well, you were spiritually dead. You were spiritually dead until God, through his Holy Spirit, touched you. And then you said, oh, my goodness, I am a sinner. I've messed up. Lord, I need forgiveness. Oh, you went to the cross to die for me? You shed your blood for me? And you rose three days later? You're alive? And you said you're coming back? I believe, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. You're my God. I don't want to serve those idols anymore. And then in verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus delivers. He does what he says in Revelation. Do you think it's a coincidence? Because I don't. That Pastor Joe has been in the book of Revelation, a prophetic book. 
that's speaking to the times that we're going through right now. And back, I believe it's earlier in, the, in Revelation, it says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Well, if you order pizza and you hear that knock and you're hungry, you know you're going to answer that door. But the door that we have to answer is the one that Jesus is knocking on our heart, right? And allow Jesus to come into our heart. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. All right, let's go to chapter 2. Verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. You know, how many of us do things for the Lord and it seems like it's empty, it's vain, nothing happened? Well, the Lord is telling us to stand firm. Keep doing it. It's okay. Keep doing it. Jesus went to a cross. It didn't look too good for those guys who were trusting Jesus at the time he went to the cross, right? The three years they were hanging with him, and now he's hanging on a cross. Doesn't look too good. But three days later, wasn't in vain anymore. He was alive. He was back. Never to be crucified. Never to be killed again. And Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, says, stand firm. Nothing you do for the Lord comes back in vain. Nothing. Nothing. Do you trust the results or do you trust the Lord? You're walking by faith or you're trying to walk by sight. Big difference. Big difference. Let's jump down to verse 7. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Boy, what affection and Paul and Silas and Timothy must have had, right, to the people. And these were people that came out of a pagan culture. They were worshiping. And remember, a lot of the pagan uh, religion was wrapped up in sexual activity. Satan really knew how to get into and chain these people up. If it feels good, do it. Boy, they were in bondage to a system of religion supported by the government. Huh. You've heard that one before. Wow. Jesus is the same yesterday. Today and forever. He never changes. Get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. It's the same Jesus that took Paul, Timothy, and Silas to an area of the world that was steeped in pornography, sexual immorality, idol worship, sacrificing babies. You know, we sacrifice babies today, 60 million of them since Roe vs. Wade. That grace of God that we talked about covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? If you're here today or listening, and maybe you're a lady who's had an abortion. The same forgiveness that's available to me is available to you. God can make it better than ever. Verse 8. 
of chapter 2. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become dear to us. Just like Jesus interact with people, so did his followers. They were people persons. They interacted with each other. You know, you might be very introverted, but you know, in Jesus, he can give you that ability to interact with others because you have a message that they need to hear. You have a love that's supernatural that they need to feel in this world today that we live in more than ever before, I believe. This is a message that needs to go out throughout the whole world. Everybody, the love of God needs to touch the love that, for the people that God created. Let's go to verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charge every one of you as a father does his own children. A good dad is going to build into the life of his child. And we would be mistaken if we sat here to say, you know, everybody had a good mom and dad. But you know what? God used the very thing that was bitter to you to make you better, didn't he? You're here today. You're hearing God's voice. You're hearing God's words. And maybe you're a parent and and you're building into your kids' lives the things that you wish were built into you when you were a little child. That's a God thing. That's what God does. He changes our hearts so that we can touch people's lives. Verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Remember, this is a, this is a um, letter that Paul wrote to these Christians in Thessalonica, and they've all, he only visited them for like three weeks. He's telling them things that sometimes churches say, well, they're too, they're just brand new in Christ. They shouldn't know these things. Wait till we get what's coming here, where we're going in this chapter. If the Holy Spirit of God is living in you because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit of God is going to shed light on his words and light on your understanding and light on your knowledge of him. That's so important. And here in verse 12, he's asking you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you know that you're surrounded right now by kingdom people? You're sitting right next to them. You're sitting right behind them or in front of them. You are kingdom people if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're heading in a direction that one day you're going to be face to face with our Lord and Savior. We're going to be there together. We're going to see this happen. This is going to really take place. Verses 15 and 16. who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, 
so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. God, in his infinite wisdom, created you and me. He created billions of people that have gone on, that have left this planet, that are in eternity, that are either in heaven or in hell. They're in one of two places. There is a world system that the devil and his team, his demonic team, influence. The world, your flesh, and the devil, they use that to try to get our eyes off of Jesus Christ. That was his MO way back in the garden where he said, did God really say when he was talking to Adam and Eve? And you might be sitting here today saying, hmm, these words on this page. Yeah, they are words on a page, but they're divinely inspired by God himself. This is no ordinary book. This is an extraordinary book. It goes beyond ordinary. It's supernatural. It penetrates deep into your heart and your spirit and your soul and your marrow. If you let it. At the men's meeting yesterday, we talked about being teachable. And as a teacher for 44 years and as a coach, I know there were kids that were teachable. There were kids that were half-hearted teachable. And there were kids who didn't want to be there. How about you? Are you teachable? Do you want to learn more about the things of God than you know right now? I do. And that's an inexhaustible knowledge and teaching that we have to be exposed to. Right? And you get to do it 24-7, 365 if you have a Bible. If you have a Bible. You can get into God's Word, you and Him, one-on-one anytime that you want to. But remember, there is a world system that's trying to prevent you from being here today. Did you know that? They don't want you here. They don't want you to hear God's word. Because it's power. It's power. It's supernatural power. You have insight. You have wisdom. You have understanding of the things that are going on in the world that they don't have. Because they're blind and we need to pray for them. Because Jesus died for the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. The world. Not the people of Calvary Chapel, Jamesburg. Yeah, he loves you. But he also loves the atheists. He also loves the presidential candidates. He, he also loves the Ayatollah in Iran. But they have to make a choice, just like you and I have to make a choice. Verse 18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Do you know Satan hinders you? He can use his, demon, his demons to just throw your game off. And just real quick, some of the things, he can cause diversions in your life. He can cause delusions in your life. He can ha- cause you to have a doubtful mind. Did God really say? Be a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a teenager of the word. Do you know his word? Most Christians are ignorant of God's word. Did you know that? They depend on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night for a person to educate them. No, 
You need to dive into the word yourself. There's double-mindedness. There's deadness. There's a delay. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll read the Bible. Maybe next year I'll start the reading program. You don't need to wait till January 1st to start a reading program. You can start at any time. Doesn't matter. Just get your face in the book. Facebook people, get your face in the real book. Spend as much time in the real book as you do in Facebook, and who knows what's going to happen in this world. Verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Boy, I think, um, I don't know if it was Pastor Joe today or Pastor Paul. When we see, maybe it was yesterday at the men's. When we see you guys and girls and boys and girls just take off with the things of the Lord, we rejoice. It's so cool. You know, it's so cool to see you being touched by the Lord. Okay, let's jump to chapter 3. And we're going to uh, down to verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Now, isn't that cool? Remember, Paul is all the way down in Corinth. He's hundreds of miles from Thessalonica. But when he heard that the Thessalonican church was still relishing and still growing and still vibrant in the midst of persecution, affliction, all the idle stuff, all the government control, that they were still living for the Lord, that even though they were going through persecution, it pumped them up. It pumped them up. Why? Because we're talking about a God who's supernatural, who lives within us. And as these tents, these tents, get old, and one day will be folded away. We're released from the confines of our physical to a glorious position with Christ and one day get in new bodies that never age. How cool is that? That's where we're heading. Verse 8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Are you standing fast in the Lord, everybody? Or are you struggling? Are your feet on a rock, the rock being Jesus Christ? Or is it one foot on the rock and one foot on the sand? Or both foot on the sand? Where are you standing? You've got to stand firm. You got to hang in there, right? You got to resist. You're worthy. Under God's authority, you have the power to stand on Him. Did you know that? By that Spirit that's in you? Let's jump down to verse 12. 
And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. How's your love, guys? I don't mean with your honey. I don't mean that. How's your love for the people on this planet, both saved and unsaved? Do you see it changing? Do you see it growing? It will grow in relationship to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Time spent with the Lord, talking, reading, discussing, will be reflected in your love for the saints. How's your love meter? Where is it today? Where's it going? Verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now remember, this was a brand new believers, Thessalonians. You might be here today and never heard of what we call the rapture or the harpazo of the church. Well, we have it here introduced by Paul in the New Testament to a brand new church. Brand new. They didn't know all doctrine. They didn't know all things that are going on in in the scriptures. But they hear about this in verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And I love this picture because if you look, you see at the bottom of the picture, it's a bride. You see the bride? But the bride is made up of all these people. We're the bride of Christ. Did you know that? Jesus is preparing you for the wedding feast. By the power of his Holy Spirit, he's touching your minds and your hearts and your spirits to get ready for the day that we meet him for the great wedding, the greatest wedding ever performed in the history of the universe. And we're going to meet him. Let's go to chapter 4. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Wow. Now this is what Paul wrote to a Roman um, government in Thessalonica. Sexual immorality was all over the known world. Has anything changed? No. Think of the sexual immorality today. Think of the billion dollars that are made on pornography. Think of the billions of dollars in child sex trafficking. Think of all the movies, TV shows, sexual immorality. Talk to a young person who's sleeping around. Everybody's doing it. No, they're not. Not everybody. There's some who are following God's will, which is being set apart. That's what sanctification means, being set apart. And if you look up here, Before you became a believer in Christ, before you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you were in your sin. 
And the penalty of sin is death. And as a result of that death, it's an eternal banishment from ever being in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus says that if you die in your sins, you will be sent to hell. When you receive Christ, you're no longer under the penalty of sin. And this begins your sanctification. When you receive Jesus, sanctification started. You no longer are separated from God. Your sins have been paid for. Now, right now, today, you and I, if we're believers in Jesus, we are separated from the power of sin. Sin doesn't have the hold, right, that it had on us before Christ. Think about it. Whether you're a new believer or an old believer, think about the power that was broken as a result of you receiving Christ. You are sanctified. It's an ongoing process. You are separated from the power of the sin. Does that mean you never sin? No. It doesn't mean you'll never sin again. But as you mature in Christ, as you read his word, talk to him, fellowship with believers, pray for one another, break bread together, what starts happening? You start sinning less and less. You're no longer that guy or girl you used to be. You see yourself distancing from that old person, that old nature, the sin nature. And then one day, either through God taking us up as a group through the rapture or through death, if you're a believer, once this body collapses and it's over, you're present with Jesus Christ. When that day happens, you're glorified, never to be exposed to sin again and receiving that new body one day that will never age. Let's go down to verses 13 to 18 of chapter 4. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Wow, there's a lot in there. There's a ton in there. When it goes at the beginning there about those who have slept or sleep in Jesus... That's just another word of death. Those who have died physically. But isn't it nice? They sleep in Jesus. Now, hopefully all you had a good night's sleep last night. And when you woke up, you got ready and you came here. You're alive. 
you're here. And some of you might have had a real, real, real good sleep and you slept and you woke up and it was morning and you were ready to go. Well, God tells us that when we close our eyes for the last time in this physical body and when we open them, we're in his presence. Isn't that awesome? You talk about a world that doesn't have hope. Do you know you have the greatest hope ever? That you can take comfort in knowing that whether we're raptured or we close our eyes and open up in the presence of Jesus, we're with Jesus. We can't lose. Hey, as a coach, that's a great thing. No, you're not going to lose. You're going to win. Guaranteed. Slam dunk, touchdown, whatever. It's over. You're going to win it. And even though at times, here now, that we're going through things that we feel bad, trials, tribulations, hopelessness, there's a hope that we need to hold on to, right? Amen? We need to hold on to this hope of what Jesus is showing us in his word. And one day, and we talked about this before, different pastors up here have said it, right? One day, wouldn't it be great right now that we're just caught up? And you know what I love to do right now. And we'll add, we'll add, we'll add a little more now, right? Are you doing your toe raisers? You getting ready for the jump? Ready to go? Now we can start putting it in our arms. I have a friend. He goes like this. He goes, I'm ready. He goes like this. He goes, I'm ready. So are we ready? We bang, just get out. We practice. Even though we don't need those muscles anymore to make the move, God's going to do it for us. He's going to just bring us up. All right, now we're going into chapter 5. One of the things I know that every uh, person who teaches up here, our desire is that you get your appetites wet. And then when you go home, you dive in to 1 Thessalonians. This is just like being in the bullpen, right? We're just warming up. We're warming you up. And then when you get home, you get into the game. You put your face in the book. Back in 1972... Yeah, 1972 is when I was first exposed. Well, it's when I first received Christ as my Lord and Savior, 1972. Okay, I was a sophomore, actually a junior in college, my September of my junior year. A few years later, after I got out of college, somebody told me about this movie. How many of you remember the Thief in the Knife series? Anybody here? Okay, I got one. That's it. They didn't have this in Macedonia? (laughs) Thief in the Night. And it was, it was like, wow, I never even heard these things before. I never even knew about these things before, that they even existed. And then I started, some of my friends started showing me in the scriptures. So let's look at verse 2. Or let's start with verse 1 of chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And I said, wow, thief in the night, that sounds pretty wild. My wife and I, one time, our house was broken into one time by a thief, and it was in the nighttime. And uh, we were sleeping when it happened. Actually, I was like in a semi-sleep, and I actually saw a person walk at the foot of my bed, walking out the door. And I said, I feel Marie on my hip, and I know we don't have any visitors that are sleeping over. Who the heck is that? So we called the cops right away, and within probably within five minutes, the cops were there. And the person had broken in. They had, 
pushed in the window downstairs and then went out through a deadbolt locked door. But boy, what a unnerving thing that was to know that a thief had broken in and we were unconscious to it. And this is speaking right now about the thief and knife when Jesus doesn't come back for the church. Not the rapture. We'll be out of here. But he comes back at his second coming. And people haven't made a decision for him. Be like a thief in the night. And when you read this chapter later, you'll see that you don't have to be here when that takes place. And we're going to give you an opportunity to make sure that you're not here in a few minutes. Let's go down to verses 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, and that remember that sleep means die, we should live together with him. Now, it's very important to understand that that thief in the night is going to be at the end of the tribulation. It's part of that whole tribulation, that seven years that this planet's going to go through where the wrath of God is going to be poured out on Christ-rejecting men and women, boys and girls. That's very important, okay? That if you put your trust in Jesus Christ or have, that you're going to be removed because God's wrath isn't for his bride, It's for all those who have rejected him as Lord and Savior. And remember, there's thousands, millions of philosophies and religions that Satan has pumped out there to get people's eyes off of Christ and onto man-made religions. That's why one of the places that Paul went to when he left, remember he was in jail in Philippi, went to Thessalonica. One of the places he went after he was chased out of there was down to Berea. And Berea was cool Christians because anything they heard, guess what they did? They checked it in God's word. They checked to see if what they were hearing was true. Are you a Berean? Am I a Berean? Or do I just accept things? Because there's a lot of fake people who are throwing out fake information to try to fake you out. You need to know God's word so when you hear fake stuff, you can flush it. Just flush it. So God didn't appoint us to wrath. Let's go to verse 14 to 22 as we wrap up here. Actually, let's pick it up right in 12. In these verses of 12 to 22... Some of the things I put up on the um, PowerPoint, and I'm just going to read the PowerPoint to you, and you can go back and look at it more later. But Paul is urging the Thessalonians to have these traits that are up here. But the only way you have these traits, everybody, that we should also have is by the Holy Spirit of God having you. Remember, Jesus... After that last supper where he said, guys, I'm coming back, but I'm not going to drink this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom. So remember I said your kingdom people, if you put your trust in Christ, we're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to meet Jesus and his word will be fulfilled when we're sitting down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But until he comes back for us, 
right? Until he, we meet him in the air, until we go to him through, but not really sleep, it's really death. God wants us to walk in a way worthy of him. So all these things up here can only take place if the Holy Spirit of God is in you and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Are you patient with all? I'm not. I need more, less of myself and more of God. Lord, change me so I'm more patient with people. Do I pursue what is good? Do I rejoice always? Or is it only when it's a rejoiceful thing? Do I rejoice when I get a flat tire? Do I rejoice when I'm sick? Do I rejoice when something bad happens? Right? It shows our maturity, really. This is a list to show us where our maturity is. Do you pray without ceasing? Wow, right? (laughs) That's a tough one, right? Pray without ceasing. Do you do that? Do you give thanks in everything or just on Thanksgiving? Do you quench the Holy Spirit? Did you know you can quench the Holy Spirit? Usually by doing your own thing, sinning, or just ignoring God's lead. See, if Paul did not go to Troas and then to Philippi and all the way down to Corinth, he'd be quenching the Spirit because the Spirit was telling him where to go. Are you quenching the Spirit? Do you despise prophecies? Wow, the book of Revelation is all prophecies. This is a book of prophecy. Do you despise that? Do you want just other stuff? You see, a lot of teachers don't get into Thessalonians or Revelation. I don't know why. Paul did it to a brand new group of believers in Thessalonica. He wanted them to be ready every single moment for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Get set. It could be today. Are you ready to go? Ready, set, go. You ready? Can you honestly say that? Are you set? Are you ready to go to be with the Lord? Let's take a look at verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace. Remember how this uh, verse opened up was grace and uh, peace. Remember we talked about the grace and peace of God? Now look at how Paul closes. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Isn't it cool it's not up to you? It's up to God's Holy Spirit, but are you saying, Lord... Take me, send me, do whatever you got to do to me to make me more like you want me to be. That is not a hard prayer. Even a child can pray that. And then finally, as we close, in the last verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You see, God wants to do a work in every single individual in here, regardless of what baggage or lack of baggage you came here with today. Do you know that? He wants to do work. Every time you take the courage to come to church or listen on a device, that takes courage because that's abnormal. That's supernatural when you 
are brought to a position to hear God's word. So God is pouring out his grace on all of us right now. And the question is, do you want more of his grace? Today, what is God telling you to do? Maybe for the first time in your life, whether you be here or at home, God is directing you to the cross. He showed you today that, yeah, I've sinned, but I haven't had my sins paid for. I want to take that step of faith and put my life into God's hands. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.